Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, what up, what up, listeners? Welcome to Rice Asian Comedy Podcast. Um, this is our second episode celebrating Asian Heritage Month. And on today's episode, we will be discussing Asian Heritage Month and our relationship to our Asian heritage. We will also be discussing the COVID-19 protests in both Ontario and Michigan. And we will also be talking about the newest international hit on Netflix titled Never Have I Ever, starring South Asians. So with us today, I've got Sam, Veronica, Gina, and Sebastian. Um, say hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, everybody. Cool. And uh, at the end of the podcast, we'll have a little bit more time to um, go into your background details, give them a little bit of info about how to find you afterward. But for now, let's jump into the very first topic, which is Asian Heritage Month. And, you know, first question, what does Asian Heritage Month mean to you, um, if anything? And how does your Asian heritage play into your life? Um, And I'll go first to Gina, because she has such lovely nails. Thanks. Um, They actually don't look that good right now, but anyways. (laughs) Um, So Asian Heritage Month, to me, uh, honestly, it's pretty cool. It's a... it's a time, it's an opportunity for me to kind of be proud of where I come from and boast a little and tell people about it. Um, So for me, my mom is from Singapore and my dad is from Sri Lanka. We speak Tamil Mm. at home. I'm a first generation Canadian, so my parents are immigrants. Um, And what that means to me is just being proud of where I come from, being proud of my parents for working as hard as they did and coming to Canada and building the life that they did for us here. Um, I just know I come from a line of very strong people, so it's that's that's basically what Asian Heritage Month means to me. Okay, that's that. cool. Um, and let's go to Veronica, Miss Sassy Lavie herself. Ditto, Gina. Ditto. Except <laughs> except being like Singapore and from Singapore. Um, you know what? I just it's a a larger sense of community being Filipino. Um, I don't often get to have an opportunity to go around and be like, hey, I'm Filipino. I mean, that's not true. I could go around and shout it, but like, it's a, it's a great time to have a month of that, that honors us, especially, I'm going to say it, especially right now during this time. I mean. And actually, you know, I'll, it's, I have an interesting question for you, Veronica, because, because you do have a daughter, what's it like trying to teach her to be proud of her heritage? Do you incorporate, you know, because she's 
born here. Yeah. As we know, kids, they just sort of pick up. So what does Asian heritage mean as far as like being a mom trying to pass it on? Well, I... <laughs> I do try and pass on uh, my heritage. I'm very bad at it because I was born in Canada too. I will say though oh. that during this, um, <laughs> during the self isolation, I taught all the toilet paper was gone. I taught her something Filipino. I taught her how to do tabo, which is you just wash <laughs> yourself with water in a margarine tub. <laughs> so, in a margarine? I don't even know what a margarine yeah. tub people. I mean, oh, like the tub that margarine comes in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm passing like a tub on something. Made of butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now she says she can't go to school um, and just use plain old toilet paper anymore. <laughs> okay, cool. And one question I had for Gina was: so you're talking about being proud of your heritage, which is great. But name me one thing that you're not proud of. I'm going to put you on on the spot. Something that nobody knows. <laughs> like to do with Tamil people. Or yeah, or just just, just in just in just in general, let's uh, let's lighten up the mood. What's uh, or or was one quirky thing about your about your heritage? Oh my gosh, that's hard. Um, I feel like there's many different things that I can point to. I think the biggest thing here uh, <laughs> is about being brown and aunties. Like how much like aunties just get together and talk shit. Yeah, yeah I think that's an Asian mm. thing overall. That you know, is. like. Our elders just like to sit in rooms and like talk about us right. <laughs> and be like, okay, don't be like Gina, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would say so in, in my culture. So for the listeners, you don't know, I'm, um, I'm part Laos, part Thai and part Chinese. And one thing all of those have in common is, you know, we don't call them aunties, but we have very similar thing. It's like our parents, friends, and they're allowed to be super observant <laughs> about your life. And they are just so hardcore about it. Like, they literally, like, instead of calling my sisters their actual names, they called them the equivalent of, like, if you translate it, it was, like, smart one, fat one, ugly one. Like, yeah. that was literally, and it, it was just crazy. So I would say that that's one, quote-unquote, quirky thing. Um, but, you know, otherwise, like, I'm, I'm super proud of my heritage um sometimes too much i've been accused of being a yellow supremacist at times so i definitely don't have trouble of accept of accepting who i am but you know it is good to look at both sides too um now sam um you when we talk about your heritage obviously there's your asian heritage but there's also your british heritage growing up there so you know sort of uh talk about what does asian heritage month mean to you yeah so I actually didn't know about the Asian Heritage Month before I came to Canada. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's see if it's, if it's Asian. And my biggest problem with North America is that uh, they look at brown people and like, okay, you're not Asian. Like, no, we are Asian. Mm. So I loved it. So it's apparently, it's the Asian and South Asian Heritage Month. And in 2019 in England, we have something called the South Asian Heritage Month. So that's in July. So, mm. and uh, just a bit about my heritage. I am, uh, like my parents are North Americans. So they are half and half. So like my dad's a half Greek and half Indian and my mom's half English and half Indian. Mm. So I'm like, I am 50% mixed of the other people and then I'm 50% Indian and 50% brown. Mm. So yeah, so I think I like it. It's very interesting because in England, because of uh, I think colonialism and the whole the South mm. Asian thing, it's not a 
like it's not a huge thing except you have lots of fireplaces and then places like BFI and all of those places they just screen lots of Bollywood films I find it very mm. interesting like you don't want to talk about anything other than uh, Indian food and Bollywood <laughs> so that's my heritage clearly just Bollywood yeah. and butter chicken well, you know, that, that's an interesting topic that you bring up about what does it mean to be Asian, who's considered Asian. I know, you know, the Filipino community gets that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of South Asians get that. I will say when I, whenever I post something um, on Facebook on, you know, looking for Asians, literally half the comments are, what does it mean to be Asian? Do I count? Does this count? Does that count? And it becomes like this big... Like literally everything I post, I have to redefine what I mean by Asian. And so I always have to say it's geographically Asian. Whatever you see on the map that's Asian, that even includes Egypt, which is 98% Africa, but 2% in Asia. And we've had Egyptians on rice. So literally when we say Rice Asian Comedy Showcase, it is geographically Asian. Now the one exception I will say is there is a part of Russia where Maria Sharapova comes from. And although they're technically Asian, if you're blonde hair, blue eyed, and a millionaire, like Maria Sharapova, <laughs> you may not be um, allowed on rice. That is a, one exception. It'd be a good draw. <laughs> might, might be worth like bending on this rule just a little bit, just for that. <laughs> no, I'll have Maria on my, uh, on my, uh, on my sports podcast instead. But um, bringing the question, I know I asked a question and then I answered it myself, but what does it mean to you, uh, this discussion? Um, you know, we have numerous South Asians on here, but how has that affected your life? If people, do people actually question whether you're Asian? Do you feel a lot of racism from other Asians versus like say white people? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and start just because I have a lot of experience working um, at a recreation center and it was a rec center in Scarborough. So it's in a very Asian area. The, mm. the recreation center's name is Asian Core and often people refer to it as Asian Core. And um, I just remember working there and talking with my colleagues and all of them were Chinese. Um, mm. And I remember being like, yeah, because we're Asian, right? And they'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're not Asian. And I'd have to like point out a map and be like, no, see, this is Asia, right? <laughs> and this is where my mom comes from and this is where my dad comes from. <laughs> so this is why I'm Asian. So I don't know. I just think people hear the word Asian and they just have a picture of one type of person. They don't really realize that brown people are Asian too. Mm-hmm. I think that's only in North America because in England or in the whole of UK, if you say Asian, it includes us. So there's yeah. actually when you have a census oh. or a form and there's a box marked Asian, I am allowed to just check mark that box. Yes. Yeah. I'm not yes. allowed to do that in Canada. It's, it's been a pain. Yes. Huh. Interesting. Oh, that's an interesting thing. I, I didn't realize that the um, that there was a distinction um, that's different versus um, North America versus the rest of the world. Although it makes sense because North America doesn't even know what Indian is. So um, <laughs> that, that makes sense that we're a little bit clueless, right? Like clearly we've mislabeled other people Indian and yeah, people well, still, and uh, still go do, back so. and let us be called Indians. I am Indian. I'm from a country called India. So like, please give me my country back. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so um, and now over to you, Sebastian. What's your relationship with uh, Asian Heritage Month? Like Sam, had you ever heard of it? Because to be honest, until I started promoting rice, I didn't, I'd never heard of it. But I knew if I hadn't heard of it, that I might be able to guilt trip some of the press to cover it because there's nobody in the Canadian press who's going to be like, oh, I've never heard of it. They're going to be like, oh yeah, Asian Heritage Month. Let's do a story on that. <laughs> so. It's uh, been very effective, but I literally had never heard of it. Generally for Asians, it's more about, you know, Chinese New Year. For me, I have like three separate New Year's. I've got Chinese New Year, Thai New Year, Laos New Year, and then of course, North American New Year. And those are more of the big occasions. Um, but Asian Heritage Month, I'm down. I like to be celebrated all month long. Let's go. Yeah. So, uh, how about, how about you, Sebastian? No. So I actually hadn't heard about it until you told me about it. Uh, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I'm I'm new to Toronto. I grew up in Michigan, mm. and uh, you know, like there are there are Asians in Michigan, but I wasn't anywhere near <laughs> them. They kept me far from them because my parents. Uh, my dad grew up in Toronto, but he he moved to. He moved just so I would grow up in a shithole uh, and then <laughs> and then have to move back when I was an adult. Uh, wow. Yeah, that, that's a downgrade. Why did, if it's oh, not too it, personal, why did he move to Michigan? Oh, he, he, was, he was an engineer and they like had cars. Uh, and those okay. Was, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't really raised with much uh, Chinese culture, despite being half Chinese. Uh, like, uh, like I have a ninja, I had a ninja in Yeya on my uh, dad's side, uh, my grandparents, and I know what a pomelo is, but that's about as as far as it goes. What I don't I don't even know what a pomelo a pom is. A pom <laughs> it's like a, it's like a big grapefruit that's bigger than a grapefruit and kind of more like an orange. Why? <laughs> Like the taste, it's, the taste yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's, it's I, I probably fruit. know what it is. I, I yeah. probably do know what it is because I've had like it's bigger got thick oranges. Skin. Super thick um, skin. I, I probably know it by like a different name, like the Thai name or the Laos name or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do remember eating giant citrus that was less flavorful. Yeah, it's yeah. not that good. Bigger. It's not that good. That's a pomelo. Oh, lychees too. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Probably my favorite part of the of the culture that I've received growing up is lychees. Yes. Oh. Or lychees. So you know? Yeah, no, they they are very good. They're very yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, so very exciting. Let's talk about Never Have I Ever. Um, and so before for those who don't know, Never Have I Ever is the hottest show on Netflix. It's trending number one all across the world including Canada. And let me see if I can pop up the trailer. And this is my first time doing it. So if there's technical difficulties, let me know. Um, and I'm just going to keep talking so there's no dead air, even though I'm not really saying anything important. And uh, let me know if you can see the trailer on my screen. What? Yes. Yes. Mom, I'm fast asleep. Yep. You don't look like you're asleep. What are you doing here? I'm doing exactly what I said I'd do. I'm here to have sex with you. Whoa. <laughs> Guys, sophomore year is gonna be our year. You can feel it, but we're not cool. Wait, a not cool person wear 
one dangly earring? Which brings me to my plan. We're rebranding. I have chosen attainable, yet status-enhancing people for each of us today. Hey, Jonah, you smell great today. It's Forever by Mariah Carey. Oh. This is why you don't mess with me. See, I'm technically best there ever be. Yes, I'm blessed indeed, so don't test me, please. I am Hercules. I unleash the beast. You look like an Indian Kardashian. I want to talk about a major event that could happen. Popping my cherry, dog. Oh, Lord. We are smart, and idiots are banging all the time. We can learn how to do it, too. Word of advice, just give up. Oh, yeah? I won't be able to walk again tomorrow because I'm about to go get railed. Peace out, virgin. You just seem lost. <laughs> I'm not lost. High school's a dick. Are we allowed to say dick now? I just want to be a normal teenager. Whoa, what are you doing? Don't worry, he won't hurt me. Normal teenagers end up in prison. Or worse, working in Jersey Mike's. In a situation, you don't know what to say. So why ain't You're a weird girl. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. Buckle up for some steamy teen romance. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, did that actually work? Did it come up on your screen? It and everything? did. It yeah, did. it worked. It was a success. Yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. So that's actually the first time I saw the trailer. I just watched it today. Um, I have been through about four episodes and have very strong feelings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would say for everybody, give like your top two takeaways from the show. Um, and anybody else... Um, if somebody has a point that you want to like uh, talk about, like definitely interject before they get to their next point. So if there's like a really interesting point, let's just dive into it deeper. And uh, I feel like because um, you know, it's a toss up between Sam and Gina, you both were really, really excited about this. I'm not sure who to go to first. So whoever uh, uh, cuts me off first can get started. <laughs> Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I was, I was oh, scaring wow, you, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think one of my takeaways obviously has to be uh, the lead, right? Um, so Davey is played by a Tamil Canadian, which I think is so cool, because, like, how amazing is that that a Tamil Canadian is actually the lead of a show, you know? Mm -hmm. So that definitely has to be, like, my number one thing right there. It would have been uh, better just, if she was from Scarborough. Like just a tiny bit. Well, <laughs> she's from Mississauga. She's from Mississauga. That's not yeah. the same. Well, you know. um, <laughs> oh, it's an hour away. <laughs> if she was from Scarborough, I would have known her probably. That's but, true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> from Mississauga, and either way, I still rate it. I think it's really cool that Mindy Kaling put out a casting call on Instagram, and then so many brown people were like, "Please pick me, pick me," and uh, she ended up getting picked out of fifteen thousand. Applicants, oh, so yeah. that's pretty cool. You wow. get fifteen thousand applicants if you if you if you cast through Instagram. <laughs> Jesus yeah, it <laughs> yeah. seems. But like I mean, nightmare. there are a lot of brown people in this world. We multiply like rabbits. Oh, <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny is I saw Mindy Kaling on the Lily Singh show because I was I was really watching that show because um, I was so happy that we had a late night host who wasn't a straight white guy named Jimmy. And I was, a lot of Jimmy's. A lot of Jimmy's. There are. Sometimes they try and trick you by changing their name to James, but it's the same name, people. It's the same name, yeah. It is the same name. Sometimes they'll even go by Jay. They'll just really... Um, 
Yeah, Stephen uh, and John, and then uh, <laughs> even, even so uh, Trevor, Trevor Noah. That's two white guy names in a row. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's, that's clever. He's trying to trick people yeah. from afar. That's um, how he gets yeah. picked for the job. The resume, <laughs> the name on the resume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two white names. Mm-hmm. So I had actually seen Mindy Kaling on the Lily Singh show, I think it was during her debut week, talking about that search. And I think the search was still going on, so I don't know if they had found somebody yet. So I actually didn't put two and two together that this was the show that she's searching for. I had actually just heard about the search going. So that's amazing that the search happened and they found this uh, actor. Um, who's now going to be internationally famous. She's trending. I know. Yeah, she is. That's crazy. Yeah. I know yeah. before uh, Never Have I Ever came out, like maybe a month ago or something after she had been picked, um, I remember visiting her Instagram and then seeing that she got the blue check mark and she's verified. I'm like, oh, say word. <laughs> <laughs> you do from like, that moment. I don't moment. know her, but I'm like, wow, good for you. <laughs> right? Wow. Camel I, I, pride. This is like, <laughs> a, this no, show is a good like instance of uh, how Asian media, like in, in Western society is really opening up, uh, opening up. Like, I think it started, maybe it, maybe it started before Crazy Rich Asians, but uh, maybe, maybe it started all the way back with like Slumdog Millionaire. But be- before that, people weren't really comfortable seeing Asian people unless they were like a, the clown, right? Yeah, I have no. major issues with Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, well, it's, it's not Asian, that's not South Asian, it's British. <laughs> It's, it's not going to be perfect, okay? It's yeah. no, it's not. They don't like us. It wasn't made by a brown person talking about the brown culture. They just picked up a book written by an Indian, and yeah. Danny Boyle decided to make a film on it. And it's a complete British film with British cast, so that's not Indian. So yeah, it's I, it's, it's <laughs> very common. Sense. It's very common for the Oscars to have white writers write about uh-huh. um. Mm-hmm write about the minority experience and then to self-congratulate they give them the Oscar. Like there was that there was that movie with Sandra Bullock about the racism that won what was it called? Blindside? No, it was like uh Crash. Crash, oh, crash. Yeah, that was, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was about black people in California, yeah. but it's written by like two white guys. So you know they, yeah. they just love to get into the brains of minorities and then give themselves awards. <laughs> but, um, you know, well, the- Well, those written by minor- minorities, would we get the awards though? No. Mm. The same. You know, yeah. I have yeah. a different take oh, on yeah, this. Give ourselves awards. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, I'm oh. a, yes, yeah. I, I'm a filmmaker and it's like as a filmmaker, your identity has to be filmmaker first, minority second. Now, the problem with minority filmmakers is they are minority first and filmmakers afterwards. So if you look at the contents they create, it's not good. That's the whole point. Like Parasite was an amazing film and it did win the Oscars. So it's like, it's a weird balancing act. They just don't expect awards just because you are writing about your experience. Make it a great piece of art. Add in your experience because a white person won't be able to change that or mix that up. And it, it's like, uh, I think in Sex Education, that's another British show, you have Sindhuvi, who's an uh, Indian comedian playing an Indian mom. And then she had her own input in the scripts and the way things were happening. So that's my thing. When you said sex education, I'm not going to lie. I was like, where is she going with this? And then I was like, oh, she's talking about the show. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I will say, you know, for, for the most part, I, I do agree with what you're saying, Sam. It definitely has to be good first. But I will say, as far as winning awards, I think there is pressure of, you know, it's, it's not just about doing something good. It's about doing something good that's relatable to the awards voters. And if the awards voters are 95% old white guys, then, you know, that might push minority people to try and change their voice. Like, this is why, you know, I, I give some really strained advice to new comedians, which wouldn't make sense to, you know, a, um, to most new comedians, but I feel like to minority comedians, I would say, stop doing these open mics, stop doing the regular club scene, because if your audience is all, like, mm -hmm. straight, drunk white people, you're gonna change who you are to appeal to them, and then you lose who you are. So I would say I wouldn't even be chasing awards because for me to win those awards, I would have to get into the mind of these awards voters. And until they fix those, the demographics of the voters, I don't really, you know, like if I won like an Asian spirit award, I'd be happy. <laughs> but other than that, I'm not really looking for validation from like the existing. Um, now back to Gina, that was your first point. Um, hey, you caught me. I, <laughs> I feel like well, you know what? Well, we can go to uh, we can go to Sam because I think if we each give two points, we'll be here for uh, for yeah. five hours. So, uh, uh, Sam, you're very passionate about this. What are your two takeaways or I one my, takeaway? <laughs> yeah. So my first takeaway has to be the production design. Like most of the times, if you see an Indian household depicted in Western media, you will have a photo of an Indian god. Doesn't matter if that person's a Muslim or Hindu or comes from any part of India, you just have a generic Indian god uh, with eight hands. So that's the most famous picture you'll always have. You'll have people wearing garish colors and just looking horrible. But this production design is actually very similar to how my mom decorated the house. Like till I started fighting with her, I'm like, stop using all of these colors. But it's like just these minor things which Indians can actually see. They'll be like, okay, this person is a Tam Pram. She's a, a Tamil Hindu person. So this is who she'll be worshipping. This is mm. the way her, the food they were eating. So I just like randomly noticed that they're eating dosa. They won't, be, they won't eat the North Indian food which we eat. So mm. just these minor details in production design actually just elevated the film for me. That's just an extra layer. Is the uh, is the like the blessing the textbook thing? Is that real? Yeah. Sorry. That's pretty cool. Yes, that is real. Blessing the textbooks. <laughs> so <laughs> me, oh, yeah. for me yeah. growing up, I was never allowed to put any books on the floor. Like if your books are on the floor, you're getting your ass whooped. Mm. Like that is not okay. Oh wow. Us um, too. Yeah. I would say. If God forbid you step on a book or something like that, like mm. even a even newspapers. You know how newspapers get tossed to your door. If yeah. you yeah. step on that, it's game over for you. You gotta like, you have to ask for forgiveness. What if it's like a really shitty newspaper? It's gonna sound, it doesn't matter. Any writing, like, <laughs> any writing. you do oh, not geez. mess around with knowledge, any any written materials. You do did not you have to, um, did you wrap up your textbooks? I would have to, I covered my textbooks. Like in No, I wasn't yeah, that no. extra about it. Yeah. Like yeah. we covered our couches and you know, our remote control, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a pretty interesting point you're talking about the production design because I guess they don't really think about that as much but it's nice to know that you know it's actually genuine I think obviously because it's coming from Mindy and she's got power because sometimes it's not enough for somebody to be a minority creator with that perspective because 
you know, like say when Margaret Cho was young and she got her own show, she um, didn't really have creative control. So, you know, she was starring in it, but then it wasn't true to her culture. So it's great that Mindy has gotten to a point where she has that control um, and can make sure things are authentic. So that's, that's good to hear that perspective. That's why I love how powerful Mindy Kaling became because when she first started, she started as a writer at SNL and then she got the office. And even then she didn't have as much control. Like she recently came up and told people that she wasn't even credited or she wasn't sent out for an award for uh, being a part of the writer's room in the office. And then slowly she, then she had Mindy Kaling, um, the Mindy Project where she had whitewashed an Indian so if you saw the Mindy project, it wasn't as Indian as it could have been. So now with this, you can see how much uh, power she has in the industry to be able to do all of those things. And that's something which I don't like. Like if you're Indian, if you're a Chinese or from any non-white culture, why do you have to rise to a certain level of power to just show your culture properly? Like what's the problem? So I, I, I hear what you're saying, but the biggest thing for me there is like on the Mindy Project, um, I know people often complain that it's not brown enough or it's whitewashed or, you know, not Indian enough, but she always does identify as Indian American in that show. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's a very valid take. Like not every single Indian American person is out here like wearing saris or just being super Indian. That A lot of times, especially when you're born and raised in America, all you are is mm -hmm. American a lot of people only just identify as American. So um, I think it's a very valid story that she's telling in the Mindy Project. I do Absolutely, that's totally valid. I was talking about the curve of <clears throat> the Indian representation she was doing. So it's like uh, she had this much power, so she showed this much. And then she slowly sort of uh, sensitized the audience. Okay, so now you see this uh, Indian American girl who has all these white people around her. She's talking about Reese Witherspoon and all of that. And now she has sensitized the audience enough that they will accept some, something like Never Have I Ever, where you have people talking in Indian accents, where you have so many Indian things happening without trying to explain it to a non-Indian community. But do you, think, arc of it. do you think she sensitized them? I don't think, because that almost makes it sound deliberate. I think it's just, you know, you don't have power in the beginning. She's just a writer. So she, there's yeah. nothing she could inject, but I'm sure. So maybe from, the power sensitized people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. I think from Go, you obviously want to tell people who you are and heritage. This is like, this is it. Like there's no representation mm -hmm. from starting from getting on a stage the one thing I'm gonna say is yo everybody I'm Filipino and I'm Veronica whatever and that's what I want to say from the beginning whether or not people let me express that that's that's where it is yeah so good for her I mean my daughter was thoroughly impressed with this girl power brown girl show it's totally inappropriate for her I have to explain sex <laughs> thoroughly now but oh, like that's why we're into it <laughs> Yeah, but you, don't, you so, don't think they they went clearly enough into it when they said like, oh, I need to get railed out tonight. She oh asked God. me about. She still. I left her in the other room watching it, and I'm scared <laughs> about what I'm gonna have to explain. Oh but no! I, yeah, but I'm addicted to it because it's got it's, just enough. 
So what's, what was your takeaway? Was it uh, the gratuity or what, what's your main takeaway from the show? How, have you binged the whole season or you're halfway through? No, I, I was, I was um, just saying, I said, I don't know. I might be late to this recording because I can't stop watching. Never have I ever because it's good. Like it's like a good show and I've been stuck, you know, for this month and a half trying to watch shows that are, you know, sort of adult friendly because they're all animated. And I said, we're going to watch this. Um, I like that. Like I said, it's very um, female, female, not female friendly. It's, it's very empowering for women, spe mm -hmm. specifically women of color. And also um, I was like, this is the most diverse cast I've seen since Degrassi. <laughs> mm. And that guy, um, what's his name? The main Paxton? Paxton, oh my god. He's the oh. Jake Ryan of 2020. Oh, yeah, I had to Paxton. Google his age to be like, can I post off to him? Oh, yeah. His age. Okay. okay. He's close to my age. Thank how old is he? I don't know. He's how 29. He's, he oh, just okay. turned 29. Oh, just below my limit. That. Okay, so that is my just made yeah, the cut. close to my age. Yes. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting you're talking about Paxton because I'm going to say something. Uh oh. Somewhat controversial. So my take on it was um, that, you know, I, I do like that two of the male romantic leads with Paxton and Steve are Asian men. And I think there's been, I'm not sure if you know, like the history of Hollywood, they, um, they purposely, they purposely tried to desexualize um, Asian men so that, um, so that uh, women wouldn't be as attracted to Asian men. So it's been like this, it's, and it's not even like rumors, like there's people, there's like records of this. Like they It's pretty well known, purpose. I'd say. It's yes. pretty well known. So for me, I do like that they're objectifying Asian men and they're, you know, they're even giving them some like other characteristic too. The one thing though that I don't like is, you know, so Paxton, the character he's playing, um, you know, like, I'm assuming from the last name, he's like half Asian, half white, which I, I is just like. I thought he was white. Uh, <laughs> well, see, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At first, well, at first I thought yeah. he was just a white dude. Well, and then well, he see, spoke in Japanese on a phone, and I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. Well, well, it wasn't just that. I, I guess because I, I, watch, I watch everything with closed captioning because I. But you I you can't know, if understand. you get white enough, you learn Japanese. That's a thing. <laughs> Oh, that's that is true. <laughs> yeah, most Japanese girls would uh, would agree as they spend half their lives fending off obnoxious white guys. But um, <laughs> I uh, the thing is, for me, I was like, okay, so because I was watching it with closed captioning, I, I, I assumed he was half Japanese the whole time because his last name kept popping up. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, I was like, okay, I was like, did they cast a 100% white guy to play half Asian? So then I look up this guy's IMDb and I was like, you know, somebody, if I'm wrong, then the internet will like roast me for this. But like, I'm looking up his name. It's like Ben Carter, like some super white thing. I, I just made up that name. So I just name a good thing off the mic. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, did they really, this is, this is my takeaway. I was like, okay, so you're finally objectifying Asian men. And to do that, you have to hire a white actor to play the Asian. It's, it's Darren Barnett. Um, yeah. There you go. There you go. 
so because I've been stalking him, oh. he was cast as a white guy, and then uh, Mindy Kaling heard him talking to the first AD in Japanese, and then she added the Yoshida in the end. She's like, oh my okay. god, you're Japanese, you're part Japanese. Yeah, so I, I don't know the. I don't know the accuracy of this. Uh, uh, fucking popbuzz.com. Uh, <laughs> but it, it says uh, Darren Barnett is mixed race. He's Japanese American. And so. Okay, good. I stand corrected. I stand yeah, well, I don't, You've been I don't validated that, by a very dubious crazy. tabloid. So congratulations. That would be crazy if she casted a guy to be half Japanese and then he wasn't at all Japanese. That's yeah, but they did it with, uh, what's her face in that movie? Um, That's Scarlett Johansson. They've been doing it for, do after, yeah. actually speaking of casting with people, well, first they need to apologize for Mindy, to Mindy Kaling. Sorry I ever doubted you. Thank yeah, you for I representing. I didn't and, doubt uh, you, Mindy. Actually. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> doubt you. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved her like ever since uh, she, yes, ever since she had the Diwali episode in the office, like, yes. She knows what she's doing. She's forcing all of these people to pay attention to Diwali. Yeah. yeah like well, every what, white guy I've ever dated will talk about The Office and Diwali. Like, yep, you've seen The Office. So like um, on the topic of like, you, you mentioned like Scarlett Johansson and Seven, one thing I, I do want to like, um, a myth I want to, to dispel that, you know, people in Hollywood, obviously I'm, I'm starting to do more productions and stuff lately. And like, one thing people always say is like, oh, it's more there, they just hire people because of their star power. Um, and that's why they're not hiring minorities. So they're not a box office job. And the one example I'm going to give that will break this is mm-hmm. go watch a film from the 80s called The Chosen One, where it's about a little Chinese kid that they... Oh, I remember that. Had movie. a white kid play him. And you can't tell me that little white kid had box office draw. Or, you know, The Last Airbender. So it's not even just Scarlett Johansson. Fine, you could say Scarlett Johansson's going to make you more money. But you can't tell me some unknown white baby that you shave his head <laughs> and paint yellow is going to bring oh. you a box office draw. Come on, Plus, people. There's, there's also like the trope of like, a, like the white man goes and takes the Asian secrets and then he's better than them. Uh, with once he has them, like uh, well, there's the, the last that, samurai. Uh, the last samurai. I was thinking more like that. That too, but oh, I was thinking more like yeah. Karate Kid. Oh yes, uh, true. You know, once like, once, the, once you like give a yoga, white man, like you give a white man yoga. the secret of wax on, wax off. Yeah. No Asian man can stand it. That was the only thing we had going for us, man. <laughs> we had nothing else. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi oh. sold us down the fucking river. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. That is true. Although, you know, I, I didn't mind the Karate Kid remake because I'm, I'm totally cool sharing our secrets with uh, black people. Will Smith's son, <laughs> yeah, he could do. Yeah. He could, he could do when, when I, don't like, I don't like sharing secrets with like multimillionaires, though. I think they can, they can find them out the hard way. <laughs> Actors who are were born rich, no sympathy. Hey, Jaden <laughs> Smith. Jaden Smith bottled up water. Come on. He has. <laughs> He did do that. I'm not. I'm not against that. Uh, okay, so Sebastian, what was your what was your takeaway? Since mine was totally wrong, and my takeaway was accusing Mindy Kaling of doing something she didn't do. <laughs> your takeaway's bound to be better than that. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I only watched a couple episodes though, because I only learned about it today from you. Uh, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it was good. Uh, I did, there was the, a little bit of elements of like, uh, oh no, how are us poor ugly nerds going to ha- handle life? And then it's like, they're like very pretty people 
Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> But that's that's TV so like hundred percent of the yeah. time. They're I know like, that's oh yeah these nerds I, I like, they let down their hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like look, I don't know. And, and like uh, I don't know, like uh, Mean Girls. You had like like a a bigger guy playing the sidekick man in the nerd group. I don't know. I, I hesitated to bring this up, but because it's so, oh yeah, but, yeah class, you know, classic gay best friend. Second only to uh, yeah, like, black best friend. They're definitely, two, uh, like they're the only pretty people tropes. on this entire TV show. They they hate the ugly. Uh, no, nobody fat allowed. I think that's the world of films in general. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's usually, like, like if you're ugly, you don't have a camera presence, quote unquote. So. There's there's okay. like roles for fat people. Like you could be skinny or really really fat, but they don't have any really really fat. Because so yeah. I don't I don't support this because it doesn't have the fat. You mean in like teen movies specifically, or yeah, 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 and like in in roles, those are the two bo- body archetypes you can have. Yeah. It's very comically, interesting. That large, so, or... Yeah, so there's this actor called uh, Beanie Feldstein. So if you've seen her films, so she does a lot about a girl who's a size eight or a ten, which is a normal North American size, and she's just living a normal life. Her life is not dictated by losing her weight and trying to appease other people. Like she's like this is my size, this is an average American size, and this is what I'm going to do. So her name's Beanie Feldstein, so you can watch her films. It's, it's a slow change from uh, yeah. skinny, live, love, love girls yeah. to normal looking people. Mm. Oh, you know what? I did have another point about the, um, the objectification of Asian men, which I'm all for. Um, <laughs> but they were, so I, I like what's happening because um, they were starting to diversify casts of like high school movies and they would always put in an Asian guy, but they always made him the bully. Like think Riverdale, he was the bully, that suicide thing on Netflix, the 13 <laughs> reasons, reasons why. He was the same actor. What a yeah. shitty fucking series. So <laughs> he, was the, he was the bully, you know. Um, Spider-Man, the Asian kid with the bully. I was like, can we, can we, like, okay, I, I <laughs> thank you for the representation, but can we, like, go from, like, geeky Asian to now we're the one who beats everybody up? Like, yeah. can we just, <laughs> so can we like, just stop for a minute? <laughs> so, like, are you so against it that you wouldn't take the role? Or are you, like, a little against it, but you would take the work? If, I would. If offered. Well, okay. So, as as I as I told you, I'm 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 quite told that I'm racist against white people. I'm called a yellow supremacist. So, I think being able to like out my anger and bully white people on screen would be quite helpful. <laughs> so I have like a lot of internalized too. rage. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Now, for those people listening, this is from a lifetime of systemic oppression. So, I'm allowed to have rage. <laughs> So yes. go go ahead and throw me your comments. I, I do realize. And um, let us all come together and perpetrate the cycle of hate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fight fire with fire. That's how you put it out. Forget this water nonsense. Eventually the house burns down and there's no more fire. And that's the plan. There you go. Then nobody's white because we're all burned. Um, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're so getting hey, canceled. What were we talking about? <laughs> and it's never have I ever. Oh right, the, <laughs> the, the team series. <laughs> we're gonna get a letter from the burn unit. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, we're joking around about this shit. They're like, look at oh, yeah. us. How dare you make fun of fires? Oh, They're serious business. There's nothing fires funny aren't about a funny. fire. <laughs> 
You see what that Paxton make kid fun started? of those fucking races all you want, but don't use mention of fire in my presence. Fire safety is a very important thing. You just it's not like a fires. joke. <laughs> and firemen. Oh, Ooh, yes. And and firewomen. Yeah. yeah. Fire people. Oh. You know, the, the thing I, you know, a lot of people buy these like these sexy calendars, but what I really like is the numbers. Like I, I feel like that's my favorite part. <laughs> like they got oh, the typography. They got the they got the sexy people up top, but it's like, oh, the font on on these on this calendar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there is one thing I do want to talk about Mindy Kaling, and I love her as a creator. But one thing oh. that I've noticed in her projects is the way she writes. And I'm not sure if she, if this is just her worldview, but I find, and maybe it's me, but. I find her lead characters don't have enough redeeming qualities. Like, so now I'm, I'm only halfway through this and I, I sort of stopped halfway through the first season of, of the, the Mindy experiment or the Mindy project because I sort of found the same thing. Halfway through, I started cheering against the main character. I cheered against her in um, the Mindy project. I'm, I was starting to cheer. I was like, okay, so she's being really awful to her friends she's just calling her mom a bitch she's just and you know I, I get it they're trying to say she's going through grief and everything but I was like you need to give me some nugget like I even like movies like to me like you know okay I, I, I have yeah. to say something I I relate so much that moment that's when I was like okay <laughs> this show is what I expected it to be because I was watching it and I'm like, hmm, you know, just like every other brown person, like I was expecting so much from the show because it's like a first time and I was so excited. Then the one it dropped, I was like binging it and I'm just waiting for like all the parts I could relate to. And so I was watching episode after episode and I was like, okay, all right. I understand what she's doing here. Like, you know, but then once um, Davey looked at her mom and she was like, you're a fucking bitch. Like, I wish you were the one who died. I was like, Girl, I could relate. Like, I. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I could totally relate. Okay, this is your the people who Keeping don't know are really gonna be like, okay, you're the worst person in the world. But that's I think it's a very I've had a very difficult relationship with my mother, and I think mm. it's like a brown girl thing. Like, for you're, sure, you either have a difficult relationship with your mom or your dad. For me, it's been my mother, and so I've definitely been in that position where. My mom and I have gotten into a yelling match and we've definitely said a lot of things that we probably didn't mean, but it's like you go through it and then you learn and you get better. So you seeing that, I feel like if you haven't had that experience with your mom, you're going to be like, whoa, this girl's crazy. Like, what a bitch. I think brown moms are very dramatic because I remember when my uh, ex proposed to me and I said no. And I was in the kitchen with my mom and I'm like, he proposed to me and he's an investment banker. And he said, no, my mom, she just turned, and she's half brown. So this is half the drama. So she just, <laughs> just turns to look at me, took a plate and just threw the plate at me. <laughs> like, uh, okay, okay, so like, and like, uh, like a frisbee? Like a frisbee or like a, like a pie? No. <laughs> Look, like oh. a frisbee. And then 10 minutes later, we are a frisbee. sitting Were you hospitalized? Table. Jesus. <laughs> no, I don't. Point blank like, frisbee. I, yeah, oh, you I don't oh. I I'm sorry. I, a, yeah. I didn't and realize I you were so quick on your feet. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah so she's throwing slippers at me. Plates. 
and then randomly when we are talking on the phone and uh, I, it just happened recently like a couple of weeks ago I was like uh, I did a comedy show and before I could complete the sentence she just started screaming at me she's like you're not supposed to go out and you have a, this thing I did an online comedy show they calm your tits woman so, and that's <laughs> half the drama so I can sort of relate to it like it would be intense if it's a full brown mum yeah, yeah, let me tell you, I've had ladles thrown at my head, <laughs> pots, pans, my mom dead ass cracked a spoon over my head top. Like, how is that? You know what I mean? Like, we, okay. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so like, like this or like this? And like, <laughs> and like it, the reverb was so great that the the head of the spoon just like wobbled. <laughs> like a two no, It was like, like this and then it yeah. cracked because it was plastic. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, no, totally. We've, there's like, we're, I guess we're violent people. Like, I think other people looking in would be like, oh my God, Kyle called like child services. Is this podcast We are dramatic, but we don't mean it. It's a very weird thing. Yeah. Like brown people are very dramatic. So when she said, I wish you were dead, she didn't really mean it. And we could understand it. But if you're Mm -hmm. a non-brown person and you would check her like, shit, what's this? I feel like that's, that's, I I don't. I'm so happy you brought it up though. Cause I so wondered, I was like, I wonder how people who aren't brown like what they yeah. thought when they saw that because to me it's so relatable i'm like yeah, yeah. this is like totally yeah my normal. english family used to be scandalized all the time they're like yeah. what's <laughs> happening they were so sad like the greek and english people they were like why did these two half brown people meet each other like this is bad <laughs> <laughs> like with my parents so now they're just used to our family being very brown and indian and dramatic like okay this is the indian family they will be dramatic it's fine just don't pay attention to us yeah I think it's also too, that's definitely a relationship you have as, as a, as a female with your mother. Yeah. As a teenager. Like as a, a teenager. teenager gonna yeah. Like that. A teenager's going to do some shit like that. That's just par for the course. I also, I you know what? Sorry. I was going to say that, um, go ahead, go ahead, Bob. Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. Those are characteristics and I, I like flawed characters and I like all the flaws that they put in her. Like, I like John McEnroe. I like that oh, she's yeah. angry. And I like, I guess for me, I still just need that one thing within the first, first four episodes. I just can't take four episodes of her being so, like, she was so awful to her friends. Like, she wasn't she's, happy. She's a really bad person. Yeah, yeah uh, she yeah. wasn't happy for their happiness. She wasn't, <clears throat> she well, like, like they mentioned it was it all about her. Show. She walked yeah. in with like a sociopath plan. Like, you, here's who we're going after. That's yeah. who we're gonna do it. I'm this, this guy's gay, but I'm gonna do him anyway. Uh, <laughs> For status, because yeah, that's what I, I just, want. I, just, I don't give a shit what he wants. I'm gonna fuck yeah. that gay guy. Yeah, I just, I just needed one, one. Give me one thing so I can hang on, so I can cheer for her. And for me, as soon as I start like wishing the worst for the main character that's when i just stopped watching so i was like well now this is just making me miserable like mindy i want to support just help me get through more than half of a season just give me just give me one nugget like let her i don't know surprise her mom with flowers i know this is really cheesy just do something apologize to her friend i would have never i would have never been like oh mom you're a bitch and then brought her flowers i would yeah because you you would have been in the grave (laughs) i was gonna say your flowers to your grave head (laughs) i think it's like it's really subtle especially like in my family it would have been really subtle there's no way i would have shown any affection that way it would have been really subtle like today I didn't sneak out of the house. Like that's my apology. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
It's, but I, I have to ask you, so if you got to the part where she's calling her mom a bitch, didn't you see the way the mother was treating her and like the conversation that she's had with the father during the flashbacks saying like, I disown this girl, like she's not my daughter, she's yours, that sort of I, stuff. How does that make oh, you Oh, okay, see, I didn't get that far. I, I, I didn't get that far. I, I just, oh, I, I was halfway... Before, sorry. So, yeah, she <laughs> called her mother a bitch in episode two. I don't think, I know you're talking about like this whole thing about how she wished oh, she her does. mom was dead. That, that stuff didn't happen yet. It was I just the it first away. exchange. I'm sorry. Yeah, so this was just like, she's, but actually to me is more how she treated her friends and then her friends mm. just sort of came back and they're so like apologetic, like, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm happy with this boyfriend that I yep. hid from you. And then instead of her having a moment, she's just like, yeah, we're cool. And then that was it. And I was like, this is really, so it was more than just the mom thing. It was actually just the friends thing. I was just like, give me something. Give me. I think it's a personality thing that you're talking about because I could relate that uh, like in the, the Mindy project also, there are no redeeming qualities when yes. she plays uh, Kelly Kapoor on uh, The Office. Again, it's the same thing. And I think that's a trap many modern writers like uh, Lena Dunham also fall into. That you make a character and you try to make the character very real and then that just person becomes very hateful. Mm, because right. you don't create a well-rounded character. You're like, okay, he's a real, this character is a real thing. So this is how they will react to it without paying attention to how they've been reacting and how the audience has been slowly hating the character. So my opinion on this comes from The Office, because originally when The Office was being made, uh, Mindy Kaling wasn't a writer on it in the beginning. And mm -hmm. so when she came on, a big change that she made for The Office was to make the main character um, more likable. Was that her? Was so, she the one who yeah, made Michael that, she was. She was the one Michael? who made Michael less, like, off. Like, honestly, yeah. season one, well, Michael was, like, no. Episode yeah. one and two, you're like, this guy would get fired yeah, in one yeah. Like he was copying Ricky Gervais. So. Yeah, so well, she yeah. came in and her but it's like it came was, across differently in the British office. Yeah, yeah. He definitely, she definitely came in and her suggestion was, you're making this very unlikable character in order to make people, the audience, like this unlikable character or invest in him is to give him heart. So that was a big change that happened with Michael, his character. So I find with Mindy, I do see that in the Mindy project. I do see it in Never Have I Ever. And I think that's kind of her style of writing. Like you kind of have to give her a chance and you have to get over that hump to see the character development and realize that, you know what? Yes, all of us have it in us to be these selfish, awful fucking people and make these horrible choices. But we come around and we learn from those and we try not to repeat the same mistakes. Yeah. So I think that's kind of her writing style based on everything that I've seen from her. And I am a big Mindy Kaling fan, so obviously yeah. I'm biased. But. I, I, agree. <laughs> I agree with Gina, but it, you know what it always, Mindy Kaling reminds me of like her character in the Mindy Project and even this um, show. There's, um, and I'm going to compare it to Bridget Jones because that's the one I remember where she's very a very flawed character. And I think for me, I think it's just this whole, like, I think that's a gender thing as well, because I feel like women are always sort of perfect. Like there's these archetypes in shows and movies. So they're obviously trying to evolve from that. And I think that's what the flaw mm -hmm. thing is. And then you're, su you're supposed to um, connect with that and then you get to like the likability so, part. Do you think this is like a bit of like an overcorrection and then eventually will land at like the sweet spot? Yeah. Mm. That's what I think. I think I think it's gonna you're, the character is gonna be tried over and over again. I think like in this season, I've watched the entire season, so you definitely see character development and you see her mm. come around and work through her grievances. And 
you also have to keep in mind this is a high school kid so they're yeah. very they're very dramatic like I remember being in high school and thinking that everything revolved around me and you know so it, it is realistic I hope that in season two we get to see more problems and we get to see how this character figures this out and I like the fact that it's more about personal growth rather than it does come off as like oh it's only about boys or I'm trying to get this boy but really you do see a lot of personal growth so it's nice it's a nice change well and on that note I think that's a great way to wrap up our never have I ever discussion that was great very very heated lots of opinions I love it um but you know at the end of the day I'm just so happy um that there's representation and honestly as as you know not a south asian but from uh, like three other parts of asia like to me like this is where i feel like it is one community because for me seeing a south asian i feel that like pride even though i'm not from south asia i do feel like honestly but it's funny because i felt the same pride watching black panther too it's just sometimes you just want to see yeah. something on the screen mm -hmm. totally yeah. i mean like i don't even like to go watch movies as soon as they're released in movie theaters because i don't like big crowds but Black Panther, I was there in line. Like, of course, the, when, you, when you see like people of color, yeah, yeah indigenous people and they do big things, you, I, I so Heroes. support that. It's amazing. It's so different. It's so nice to see that. It, it just, any sort of colorful representation, I'm all for it. So yeah, yeah. that's my takeaway. Growing up in the 90s and just seeing only white families on TV, it, it's just, it's boring. It gets boring yeah. after a while. I want to hear new stories and I want to be able to relate to these stories. So right. it's very, it's a good change. And Michael great. B. Jordan helps. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's pretty cool. Yeah. His like, uh, like, over, his like hang thing, but it's like a, it's like a dread. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So um, let's talk about the protests. Both, you know, there, there's a lot of different angles to take. So as, as we all know, with the news, there's been protests both in um, all across the U.S., but, but specifically um, in Michigan. And there's also been protests in Toronto. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of different angles here. There's, you know, um, there's the whole cultural angle or the racial angle of, you know, um, being able to... Uh, you know, what the reaction is, what the media coverage is when it's all white people protesting something um, versus if it was a minority, whether it's indigenous, Muslim, Asian, anything, it would be a very different reaction. And then I would also say the other, the other takeaway as well is also Canada versus the U.S. You know, we, we do have um, protesters here, but it's, it's a little bit different. You know, there's one is storming the Capitol with guns and one is, you know, standing too close to each other. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's kind of interesting. So what are, what, are your, what are your takes on this? There's a lot of angles. So let's go to Sebastian. As someone from Michigan, this doesn't surprise me at all. Everyone's got to go. <laughs> uh, like, I, I walked around for many, many years. I came from a no-gun household because they're Canadians. Uh, and then uh, one day I just like, I asked one of my friends, uh, I was like, uh, like, what do you think about guns? And he's like, I got one right here. And he patted his pocket. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's got a gun on him right now. <laughs> uh, everybody's got guns. It's, and uh, my parents have a, a house up in the, uh, in the hills, like a cottage. And everybody, like people have tr Trump's name on, like in huge letters on their barn. And they have firing ranges in their front, 
one of our neighbors has a firing range in their front yard. And one day, one day they said, uh, we're bringing grenades over. So don't come outside because we're throwing oh, grenades. That's a, <laughs> pardon me? <laughs> so I, I'm thinking like maybe these protesters, like they didn't intend to make an armed charge on the, on the, <laughs> the, the government building. They just happened to have their guns with them because they always do. Yee. they're like, well, like waving taking shots in the air they're like yeah we got guns like it's like just like usual right yeah but now we're at the government building that's the only difference but uh, shouldn't it be concealed if you're carrying it properly isn't it supposed to be concealed like probably but so for them to take it out they know they're doing something <laughs> yeah wrong. okay no I'm, I'm being facetious here obviously this was a this was a thing uh but you know they just have guns they just they're like hey you want to go bowling yeah you're gonna bring the gun why'd you even ask of course yeah. So it's an We're going to go protest. It's like, you're bringing the gun? Fuck yeah, I'm bringing the gun. What if uh, they try to take away our, our rights uh, when we go to try to protest the government? Well, it's like, bring, bring the AK. <laughs> Surely nothing bad will happen. We're white. Uh, yeah, every, you know, there you, you know, go, because you're white. Here's how the government works, and uh, here's how the police work in, in the USA. Uh, if they're not white, shoot them on sight. That's the rule. Uh-huh. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. They were white this time, so they got away. They're good. Yeah, you know, it, it, it reminds me of when, when the Black Panthers sort of did the same thing. Well, not quite the same thing, because it wasn't. It was for racial injustice. But they, they did um, bring guns to a protest um, in California. This is like way in the 60s. And immediately okay, the sorry, gun laws I, I thought, were changed. I, I thought you meant like Black Panther Wakanda for a second. I'm like, when did they do that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that wasn't in the movie. Okay. Is that a deleted scene? <laughs> Yeah, like, but um, history. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Real life. Real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 real life. Obviously, it you know it gets it gets a different response. Laws are immediately changed, and I think there was something that was said recently. I forget by whom. It might have been Chris Rock because I feel like he's just says great things all the time. But I I think he had a bit talking about like if you want the gun laws change in America, just give more guns to black people. Like that's. Yeah. Out as as soon as it goes to black people, then they'll then they'll then they'll care and they'll immediately stop it. Um, uh-huh. But uh, any I think any that was uh, funny that he said that, but I really don't think the gun laws will ever change in America. They just won't. They're not up for debate over there. They they they're not playing with you guys since they're <laughs> right assault, their arms. Assault rifles are just banned in Canada though, and I'm I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Well. Canada's yeah, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, but it's very weird, like in uh, America, when you try to <clears throat> have any amendment or something about gun ro- laws, they just come up with such compelling argument, calling it their uh, right as a free American citizen. And I'm like, how do you argue or debate with stupid? Mm-hmm. And then they win by default, because they are so stupid that no one else can argue with them. And like, you just need a very strong person to be like, they're just taking away all your guns. So you got to be careful because if you win the argument, they might shoot you. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's just so hard. Like in the UK, yeah. we took away all the guns and now people just stab each other. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. way but less effective. But you stab less people, right? <laughs> yes, you but you stab less people. It takes a long time to get good at stabbing. Exactly. Yeah. So we've had uh, mass stabbings and that's had like 12 to Mass stabbings? Yep. Because we don't have, you're not, you're not allowed to have guns in the UK. But like, so it's, it's, it's very hard to have sympathy for like the 30th guy to get stabbed in a row. 
I'm not the first person yeah, well, to think this. This is yeah, this is someone else's thought. It's true. Exactly. Like after 15, you can see a person running at you with a yeah. blood-soaked knife. What if you're not fast? You're getting stabbed. I think that guy gets stabbed first. You don't have feet. It's that guy's the first. No, that guy's number one. It's harder to kill a person with just one jab of the knife. Yeah, and you yeah. Can, you can survive so, a, like a stab. Yeah, line. you can survive stabbings. So yeah, I yeah. actually know sympathy for people getting stabbed. I, I, I've, got some, I've got some sympathy for people getting stabbed. Uh, no. I, have sympathy, I have sympathy for like one through five. <laughs> yeah. And like it, it falls off. I have some for the remaining people, but it falls off from there. What if, it's like, like, if, if they're old? If, if they're older, I would, if you're in a wheelchair, you could be Listen, this 100 okay, they're, they're, You're right. There are still, mitigating circumstances. Yeah. If this is in like an old folks home, <laughs> I have sympathy for every one of them. Yeah, that's if, if, if this yeah. is in like uh, like that's a, a, a mu- like a muscle rehab facility for people who are learning to walk again, com- like yeah. completely, like I feel bad oh. for all of them. Yeah. yeah, do you know what's funny though is like so we're talking about like guns versus knives now, but honestly, I feel like if you had a bunch of Asians or Muslims storming the capital, not even with guns but with knives, I'm pretty sure the army would oh, be called. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. like they that act, that sounds a little Far. reasonable though. Like, why do they have knives? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why do the people you didn't have to have them be armed in this scenario? <laughs> what second are you planning, Bong? Bong, what are you planning? <laughs> it's it's the Second Amendment. This knife is loaded. I put, you know, like like Final Fantasy Seven. They have those gun blades, right? Or no, Final Fantasy Eight. It's it's I can't carry a regular knife, so I'll just put a a trigger on it. What about like a rapier? Is that, like, what if you've got a crowd of people with rapiers? What if Edward Scissor's hands was colored? You know? uh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's jail. Yes. That's jail. That's jail. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't, can't do that. Or like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> that's yeah. That's uh. And so you know, bringing bringing it back to Canada for a moment. So obviously, we we've had our own protests here. Um, is a fairly small protest um, in comparison to I would say in comparison to what we usually get at Queen's Park, which for those not from Toronto, that's where the um, the Ontario legislature is. Like, literally, if you have less than 10,000 protesters, you're not going to get news coverage. This was like, you know, just a few hundred people, and it kind of got overblown. So it's kind of interesting, because Queen's they, Park they do basically... Gun, right? Oh, no, this is... No, 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 no. This is the this Canadian is one. Canada, so oh, yeah. I would say... Like you know, I it's it's interesting. I I think this one this one's a little bit interesting take for me. For me, like the U.S. one had more of like a racial tinge because like guns and like there's just such inequality based on who is protesting. And obviously, with the U.S., to me, I take the discussion more racial because of when people are indigenous people are protesting a pipeline or mm-hmm. um, you know Colin Kaepernick is like taking a knee. They're called terrorists. And then people call it RCMP. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's you know it, it's it's totally out of whack. But here, I feel like my take on the Canadian anyway, and I think there's still a bit of a racial thing because I, I do think it, it is more white people that are going out with the coronavirus thing right now. But I, for me, it's actually more why is it getting covered at all? Like Queens Park literally has protests every two or three days, sometimes over a thousand people, literally if you're less than 10,000, nobody's sending a camera crew. So this seems like a little bit of sensationalization. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. That's my opinion anyway on the, on the Canadian one. 
but um but yeah I, I i i did like the dichotomy of like in the u.s it's like they're storming the capital with guns and here my biggest worry about them is that they're not standing five feet apart it's like you can bring your signs six feet six feet six, six, oh, oh, yeah, no, six, six feet, feet. Yeah. that one foot makes a huge difference <laughs> i was actually i was watching some of that protest um on cp24 and then um ford gets on and he says well everyone has a, um like freedom of speech and i thought yeah, because they're white. Because like you said, if it was someone else down there, he wouldn't be up there, you know, excusing them, so to speak. I'm not going to lie. I feel like for the Canada side of things, I think that if it was a bunch of colored people doing this whole protest, it just wouldn't have even got camera coverage. Like, that's yeah, just, that's, that's true just where too. I don't even think the no mayors would not speak on it. The government would not exactly, speak on yeah. it. You wouldn't have any cameras on you. And it would just be that. And they'd be like, well, hopefully you all get COVID and die. Mm. Like, I think that's kind of, so do, but because, do you all think oh, that they, they should be covered or that like I don't we should I don't, have heard about them or not? I don't I don't think like I don't not worthy. I don't I think it's an over it's an over sensationalization of what's happening because I think the percentages of people are so small. I do feel like you need to reach a certain threshold because people protest the Ontario government a lot like mm-hmm. Queens Park because I, I live near there so like I walk past there like this one place I worked I used to like go past there every day so you just see every few days there's a few hundred people protesting and unless it's 10,000 so for me just like misrepresenting it but I, I guess I don't know I guess people are just looking for I'm not sure if it's a racial thing I feel like it's also. I think it has to do with COVID. They just want like anything to do with COVID nineteen. The news yeah. will put it up there. Yeah, like, like, I, that's I, what I, I was thinking. For it. It's I, the efficacy of like a few hundred people is also magnified because there's no one else around. Yeah, yeah. and it's also the news cycle. Like you just don't have anything in the news cycle to talk about. You can criticize the British yeah. government yeah. and America, and then uh, look at Justin Trudeau's hair. But then what else? <laughs> well, yeah. you can look so, at his hair more than once. But oh, I, yeah. I have I'll a different at his head. I wake times. up in the morning and I'm like, thank <laughs> goodness, Justin it. Trudeau is my prime minister. Oh, and not what Boris would we Johnson. do without it? <laughs> but it would have a different flavor. Sorry, I was gonna say, but that that coverage it would leave a different impression had it been a bunch of people of color. Yeah, you know, for, for sure. You, yeah, for sure. You, you know what would have been interesting is if we had organized like an all Chinese protest against people like oh. attacking Chinese people. I wonder if that would have gotten covered because obviously well, right now people are attacking Chinese. Like it's, it's just crazy. Like in San Francisco, somebody went up and stabbed a family, inclu- a Chinese family, including a five-year-old and a two-year-old and they got no coverage outside of like the Asian media. That's Nobody, ca- I was like, I was like, if somebody goes and stabs a blonde white girl who's two years yeah. old, it is international. Oh for for oh, that weird, a month, we'd hear about it for a month. And like yeah, if they're yeah. in San Francisco yeah. proper, like they're a wealthy family, so that seems weird. Yeah, but that's, that's the case with right? Yeah, that's that's the case with everything. Once you don't colors, you don't like... have child you don't have children in San Fran unless you're loaded. Uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I just so it's, it's more like an economic so... thing, right? Like rich people get attention. And these people, they sound pretty rich to be having kids. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
so I'm not yeah. saying I think it's just the whole uh, racial undertones to it so because after 9-11 many brown people did have lots of protests in New York I don't know if uh, any of you know about those protests uh-huh. and marches of solidarity for brown people because you have the Sikhs in India who wear a turban and have a beard and they were being attacked and then when brown people did protests and no one really covered them like even now it's very hard to be very open about wearing a turban and a beard like after Osama was killed again attacks against uh, Sikhs increased mm-hmm. I think so it's again, the I think it's the way with uh, any incident that happens like black girls go missing all the time and nobody gives a shit no one okay. covers it you know what I mean but a white girl goes missing and it's like oh my god you know mm-hmm. let's get this girl home yeah. with her family so yeah. it's that's just how it is in media um, like it's very use unfortunate the I'm not, I'm not, the I'm not saying that's like the way it should be yeah. Shot on the news yeah oh yeah like that's oh, this person was known to police it's if like, it's a white oh, person they got a once. Known to police, it's Jesus. a mental illness like yeah. we we see all the injustice in the media like i yeah. see it all the time so i'm not surprised yeah have uh, you seen the four teenagers google the google the four teenagers versus google for black teenagers have you seen that thing Oh, no, I, I haven't, but I can happen. imagine what it is. Uh, yeah, so if you Google yeah, four teenagers or three teenagers, I've seen different variations. Then you see happy, smiling images. You know, they have their arms around each other. And then when you type in four black teenagers or three black teenagers, then it's mugshots. Yeah, of course. Classic. Classic. Mm-hmm. Anytime a black person does anything in the media, they're like pulling up mugshots. Even if the person doesn't have a mugshot, they'll like make a mugshot somehow. I don't, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> But they do it. <laughs> they just, it's just like the norm. It's, it's fucking awful. It's awful. But it is. Yeah. That's why I'm not surprised. Half the time I hear these things and I'm like, okay. Yeah. 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 You know, actually, so when, just, just to finish off the, our topic with the protesters, I, I do want to ask you, Gina, because you are a healthcare worker working in the front lines. And one thing is, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people, like most rational people, are sending their love and support to frontline workers. But how do the protests make you feel, knowing that you're going to work or your colleagues are going to work, risking your lives, trying to help people, and then you have like dumb protesters who are like kind of undermining all that good work and basically just like spitting in your face? I'm not putting words in your mouth, but like how do how does that make you feel as a you know? So, um, okay, my first thought when I think about these things is I wouldn't be much of a Canadian if I thought they shouldn't protest at all. I do think that people have the right to protest. They do have freedom of speech and they should. If you feel passionately for something, if you feel like your voice isn't being heard, speak. Make sure it's heard. Do, do what you need to do. However, as a healthcare provider, I look at that. I think about people congregating. Obviously, they're not practicing physical distancing, social distancing. And to me, it's just so upsetting because, you know, you see all these people with no regard for science and they're just out here for their cause, just to end the quarantine, to open up businesses again. But they're not thinking about it. They're thinking about financial um, issues rather than people dying. And I think, you know, we have this is our time to come together as human beings. We're human beings. We should care for other human beings. You know, do your part. It's your responsibility to be a decent citizen, stay home, do what you can, and just stop. You know, flatten the curve, stop. There's, we already know how it works here. There's only so many hospital beds. There's only so many ventilators. Once all those hospital beds are occupied, once all the ventilators are occupied, what's gonna happen? 
you think that people, the, the, the doctors are going to make decisions that favor your grandmother? No, because your grandmother has a higher chance of dying from COVID than the 30-year-old does. So we're going to try to save the 30-year-old and we're not going to pay attention to the elderly people. And that's, that's, it's real. That's a fact, right? So we're trying not to get there. You know, yeah. stay home. Let's stop spreading this thing so that we can give our healthcare system a fighting chance. That's someone, great. someone brought up the other side of that, like protesting, is that uh, some people rely on these jobs that they, they want back. They re rely on some kind of economy. So they're just mm -hmm. so desperate that they've already, it. yeah, I get it. I do, I do. I get it. I get it. You have a family to feed. I totally understand. But that's why there's so many different things in place. If this wasn't real, you know, you have to understand the reality of it. People are actually dying. The numbers are actually quite high. Although Canada has done a lot better than other countries, yeah. it's still people dying. That's wasted lives. If it was your loved one, you would feel differently. That's all I feel. I think we live in a society where people need to see something before they believe it, right? When it comes to mental health issues, they're like, oh, I don't see it. I don't believe it. A physical health issue. Oh, okay. I see it. I understand. I have empathy for you right? Um, when I tell you, oh, racism still exists, and a white person looks at me and says, no, it doesn't, because I don't experience it, right? They don't see it, they don't feel it, they don't understand it. But when you have a loved one close to you die, or when you watch people dying every single day, your opinion will change on that. I can guarantee you that much. Yeah, so, I, I, what's happening around the world. So as a Canadian, we are very privileged. Your government, like, uh, I should not say yours, but like the Canadian government is giving you so much money and benefit and things. Like in the UK, you don't have anything like that. Like our prime minister went around hugging and uh, touching uh, patients, went into the ICU, came back and he's like, okay, so we'll start a lockdown from tomorrow. So today go out and have your last Friday pub night. Oh, yeah, things oh, like wow. that. You don't, yeah, you don't oh have benefits. Yeah, and he's like, you have to be mentally prepared that 60% of you will die. That's the British Prime Minister saying things like that. Well, is, 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 has he come around any since... Uh, yeah, he started working it? back yeah. on Monday and then he had a son. So he has a baby. He's completely fine. Yeah. And now he's like, we'll start reopening. And the whole British population is like, don't be a cunt for us. You don't need to reopen right now. Mm. So, you know, I, I really do agree that Canada has been so great uh, with yeah. with all these benefits, especially because I also took my 1200 Trump bucks. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I paid taxes last year. I deserve it. Uh, even if I'm not living there uh, again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's great. Like I, I, you know, I don't have to, you know, risk catching uh, COVID and then killing my, uh, my landlords, which is, which is great. Uh, for yeah. the immediacy, I may have to eventually, but not for now. We're totally good. Yeah, I, I think the, that. I think the interesting thing here to just sort of talking about Asians, like Asia, Canada, and uh, the U.S. I think the interesting thing here is, um, yeah, and this is why I really like Crazy Rich Asians because I felt like what they were attacking was the ideal of the pursuit of happiness and how that's like a selfish pursuit. It's basically putting. If, if the main goal in your life is to be individually happy, that doesn't really work with, as we all know, as Asians, what's pounded into your head? Community, community, community before person. Mm -hmm. Like literally, you know, like, like let's just take, you know, a lot of countries like China, they put your family name first because your family name is more important than your individual name. 
So I'm, I'm definitely not surprised that in a country where the pursuit of happiness is put above all individual happiness, that people wouldn't yeah. be able to see, wait a minute, let's not have old people die. Let's, yeah. mm-hmm. let's, let's save the economy and kill, mm. let's just all kill people. people. Yeah. yeah. But plus it's like, it also won't save the economy because the closure will have to happen again. <laughs> so that's also another yeah. thing. I think at this point, they just have a false definition of American freedom and that we are free people. And uh, that just translates to we are selfish. We want our gratification. We want our things. Mm -hmm. And that's all that matters. I also don't think that a lot of people have been through the the struggle. Like they don't understand. They just want to go outside. They just want that freedom so badly. But it's like, I grew up a little bit differently. Like I'm used to eating Mr. Noodles if I have to. Like we yeah. built on well, yeah. like survival. You know, so, like even from like day one, the American people were founded upon like the freedom to force your will onto other people. Like the Puritans, mm-hmm. they only left Britain because they wanted to be able to force other people to be Puritans. And that's why the pilgrims went to the fucking um, America in the first place. And uh, and then they, you know, they continued by, you know, uh, forcing everybody onto reservations, you know, and then. And I feel like if you have a, if you have a history of a strife or war or something that always has been happening in our Asian countries, like we don't come from peaceful countries, even though we are still uh, democracies and we're peaceful, we still have lots of things. Like in India, you have the whole Hindu Muslim thing. Then uh, you have your uh, the war in Vietnam, things happening in all parts of Asia. So we've come to respect our freedom and the privilege we get. We don't think that it is inherently our right, as opposed to America, where the last biggest war was like, what was it? It was the Civil War. It's like after the Civil War, they had 9-11, but then they've just been very peaceful and privileged. So now they think of the privilege as a right. Yeah, like definitely as far as wars happening in America, for sure, yeah. They they like to export their wars to other countries. Yeah. Um, but, um, okay, so on on that note, that very deep note, um, we, we're coming to the to the end, and uh, I will get better at segues <laughs> the more I do this, which is, is uh, day number two of Asian Heritage Month. Um, but uh, on that note, I do want to segue. I want to thank you all for coming on to the podcast. I think it is a great celebration of Asian Heritage Month unity. Just looking at the faces in today's podcast, we represent quite a few different regions of Asia. Um, and, uh, you know, just uh, want to give our listeners a chance if you could all, you know, within, uh, within 30 seconds sort of talk about what your next project is, where people can find you. Um, let's start with Veronica. Um, I don't have any projects coming up, although I've been thinking that I may. I still have my kind of late show going on. Um, I have a bunch to edit. Um, but otherwise, you can find me on Instagram, sassy underscore la underscore letter v so sassy levy okay great and every everybody's handles um if you guys send it to me in the group thread i'll put it in the show notes and description so everybody will be able to find you um let's go to gina so um i don't really have any projects coming up because of covid so (laughs) i actually had a big show or my first show ever that i was producing and covid came through and ruined it all so i had to cancel it and we were so close to being sold out too so i was Mm -hmm. really excited 
um, oh, but that it is was, what that it was, is. That was your birthday show, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I used my birthday to convince people to come, duh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, yeah, it is what it is. Obviously, it's disappointing, but sometimes you have to give up some things so that you could protect the community. So I'm all for a safer community. Um, but if you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle's at Gina Siva, Twitter at Gina Siva. I'm pretty much just keep the name wherever, whatever social media platform is always Gina Siva. So okay, great. Yes. Uh, I will say Gina's next project is saving people's lives. So she'll be busy yeah. doing that. Um, so uh, <laughs> next up, uh, let's hear from Sebastian. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Sebastian D. Chow. I'm on, uh, I'm currently making sketches on YouTube at, on uh, the Sebastian D. Chow channel. You know, just a quick uh, couple, like two minute sketches. They're funny videos that I've, I've made out of this quarantine zone. You know, I make them all in a basement, which is also where I live. Uh, Cause I'm a little bit, I'm a little gremlin in the basement. It's, it's, it's fine though. It's fun. Cause I make videos by myself in the basement. It's, it's cool though. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he said in my basement so many times. That's where it is. <laughs> oh, look look over here. You can see uh luxurious basement. Uh <laughs> over here more more basement. <laughs> uh but yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm making videos at Sebastian D. Chow and on YouTube. Okay, great. Yeah, listeners, definitely check that out. I've I've watched uh Sebastian's first few videos. They're they're pretty funny for sure. Um and now let's end with Sam. Yeah, so I'm a filmmaker who can't make films. So I've uh, just started a film podcast. It's called the SP Film Podcast, where I just talk about films and just being uh, judgmental about different films, because clearly I'm a very famous filmmaker. And uh, I do have random online shows because you can't go to open mics and you don't have in-person shows. So my Instagram is uh, Samaira Black 30, and that is S-A-M-A-I-R-A Black 30 just these two things that i'm doing okay great thanks again everybody for coming on to this podcast um we'll be posting it tonight or listeners will be hearing it tomorrow um on sunday and um thank you to all the listeners for coming um during the month of may this will be as much as possible a daily podcast um i will give a warning that i'm the type who jumps in too far and then uh, doesn't deliver. So um, I say daily now, but we'll, we'll see if that lasts um, past Monday. <laughs> I feel like I'll make it till Monday as a daily, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how far I get after that. Um, okay, thanks. Uh, signing off. Have a, have, a great, um, have a great night. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, thanks for having you. us. Bye. Bye. Bye.